smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello and welcome to mint i am nasreen sultana i am an assistant editor at mint i keep a close track of all that is happening in the world of stock markets you are listening to all things markets where i speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets as most states are imposing stricter restrictions to control covid mobility in the country is impacted even as ramp up in vaccination program amid the brutal second wave in india may see a limited economic impact there is a fear that lockdowns will slow down business activities and will lower spending and income Many economists have already downgraded their GDP target for FY22. So, what is the economic assessment of COVID second wave and consequent regional lockdowns in India? To discuss that, I am joined by Madan Sabnavis, Chief Economist, Care Ratings. Hi, Mr. Sabnavis. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, uh, Nafin. So, uh, right now, we are in the middle of a health crisis. Of course, the second wave has engulfed the country and there are lockdowns in many states as we speak. So, what is your assessment of the economic impact of the lockdowns and, of course, of the health crisis in India? Uh, Nasreen, if we look at uh, the second health crisis which we are having today, it is very much different from what we had last year. So there's, there's a positive to it in the sense that uh, the lockdowns which are being announced by state governments, it's being done at a regional level and it's not at a national level. So that's a kind of a comfort which we have because uh, last year it was more of a national level. So it was something which held in all corners of the country and everybody got affected by it. But on the other hand, we have seen that the lockdown which was announced uh, last year was at a time when the infection levels were very low. Whereas today, when I'm talking of the lockdowns, we are actually talking of lockdowns coming when we have around 300,000 daily infections, which means that uh, the the level of uncertainty is much higher today than it was there last year, especially in terms of when will these lockdowns end. So if you're looking at Maharashtra, for example, we have announced a lockdown till the end of the month. But I think there's a lot of uncertainty about whether uh, this lockdown is going to get protracted. Because as the number of cases go up, it becomes very difficult for any government to say that we are relaxing the the terms of uh, lockdown. Unlike last year, where we started off with numbers less than 1,000, and by the time we started the unlock process in June, the numbers were going up, but definitely they were not scary. And given the fact that we didn't really cross more than 70,000, 80,000 per day in the month of uh, September or October. So therefore, it didn't look too much out of place. So I think the critical point here from the economic point of view is that uh, what started off to be more localized in Maharashtra and a lockdown in Maharashtra has now spread to other business centers. So earlier we were talking of places like Delhi, Bengaluru, Indore, Jaipur. These were the cities which were affected. But we should remember that there have been two major events which have taken place, which which have the potential to cause a lot of disruption. One are the state elections, where I think uh, everybody was fairly... uh, Uh, I I would say they were violating all norms of social distancing. So we really don't know what kind of uh, potential numbers can we see in these states once the election results are out. 
Okay, and then when we have a government coming in, they will say that look, something is really wrong in our state, and therefore we need to have curbs, which have not been implemented so far this month because the elections are running. And the second incident has been the Kumbh Mela, which was probably not a good step, and all of us knew that it didn't make too much of sense to have this kind of a gathering at a time when infection levels were high in states like Maharashtra. But we had gone ahead with such a thing, and now people have dispersed. There have been cases which have been detected. Restrictions are being placed by states for people uh, returning from Uttarakhand. Now, these are all, I mean, they're, they're not preventive actions. After the event, we're talking of uh, steps being taken by the government. So, again, it's a big question mark about how much this these infection numbers are going to increase to. So, what we're talking of 300,000 uh, on daily cases does not include these five states, plus what could have happened during the Kumela, which really means that there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of making any economic projections. So the way we are looking at it at care ratings is that we have assumed that uh, April, of course, has been more localized. Localized meaning it's just one state plus certain other centers. Uh, we'll see more uh, uh, drastic actions being taken by most states in the month of May. So it's basically a case of saying May will be a more severe lockdown at the national level, even though it's not being imposed by the center, but by different states compared to, uh, to, to, to April. And then probably some kind of relaxation starting from June which would actually, in our estimate, we could be shaving off uh, overall GDP growth by around 0.8 to 1% from what we had estimated earlier. So we started off the year with something like 11, 11.2%. And today we think that we could be more in the region of around 10.2%. That's the kind of growth which we're seeing, which, I mean, even this, this double-digit growth compared to fiscal 20 would not be more than 2, 2.5%. Now we're talking of something in the region of 1.5%. So it's it doesn't really look a very pretty picture as of uh, today when we speak on economic prospects on account of the second wave of the pandemic. So going forward like that, you know, if more companies get into this mode of lockdown or shutting down their op operations in the in the manufacturing plant, you think the overall, uh, you know, besides the GDP, but the overall other indicators like your auto sales data, because uh, your cars are not getting out of the plant at all. So how does the, uh, you know, the inflation uh, get affected because of this? And will IIP also get hit? Yeah, actually, we can see a very ambivalent picture in the months of April and May. Uh, when I say ambivalent, we should remember that uh, certain high-frequency indicators which are reckoned over the previous month will definitely not look good. So if I'm looking at the PMIs, they're going to look uh, uh, not so good compared to what we have seen happening in the months of uh, February and March. Uh, but they would still be slightly better than what uh, what, what we, are, we are talking of is mainly because of the fact that as of now, it's uh, the lockdowns are regionalized and it's not really uh, across the country. So depending upon how it pans out uh, in other states, these numbers will get affected. So that is one part of it. The second thing is when I look at things like IAP, to my mind, this is where the ambivalence will really come through because, uh, because we had very deep negative growth rates last year. So statistically, we may be better off this year because... Uh, some part of the country will be functioning even in the month of May. So while we're talking of uh, lockdown, let's assume it maybe another 10 states get into this act of lockdown, but there will be uh, more activity taking place compared to what was there last year. And against a negative base effect, which we saw negative numbers in IAP growth in April and May. So maybe we should not be looking at the IAP more closely in the next two months. It should be more on the PMI side, which will tell you, because the PMI is a number which looks at what happened in the previous month, whereas 
IAPs over the previous year, when I have a negative number last year, things would look to, uh, tend to look better. That's as far as IAP goes. Now, on the issue of inflation, which you mentioned, I think inflation is uh, something which will continue to haunt us uh, during this particular year, because we have seen that uh, while this number of around five, five and a half percent, which we're looking at, is uh, something which we had witnessed even last year. But the composition of the inflation is quite different this year compared to last year. Because last year when we had inflation, it was more concentrated uh, in the food products, whereas now it's going to be in the non-food products. And uh, earlier we would be saying that, okay, it's the crude oil which is going up, but I don't think oil is going to be the major concern. It's going to be the non-food, non-oil basket, where we have seen prices moving up for a number of services. And as you operate for uh, a shorter period of time, you tend to be increasing your prices. And that's something which is going to get reflected. And it also tends to be a bit, bit, bit more stickier than food prices. Like we know that the price of onions, when they go to 80 rupees, can come down to 40 rupees or 20 rupees when supplies improve. But when the MRP of, of a product or a service actually goes up, it never really comes down. We've seen that that even post GST, we've never seen too many gains that we have had on account of whatever happens in the MRP. So therefore, I think inflation will be something which will continue to haunt us for this year. And it's something which I think even the RBI has uh, stated indirectly that inflation is going to be a concern, at least in the first uh, couple of quarters of this year. Uh, again, we are looking that uh, looking at a good monsoon, maybe that's something which could provide some relief on food. But the core inflation part will remain sticky, and therefore we think this headline number of 5.5% is something which we will see for most part of this year. There are arguments that probably this time, uh, once this lockdown is lifted, there would not be any pent-up demand anymore, like we saw last year. When there was, after the first wave, when the when the economy started opening up, there was a lot of pent-up demand, and corporates really benefited out of that, especially in the consumer segment, like your autos and consumer discretionary. But right now, the argument is that if you, you will not replace your ACs and your cookwares again in, ne in less than a year. So, the pent-up demand is probably likely to be hit is what other economists are saying. Do you agree? Yes, I would agree there. And uh, see, the, the, the major driving force of an economy is finally consumption. And this is going to be another year where we're seeing that consumption is going to get affected because the way in which the lockdown has been designed, we're saying that we're only allowed to consume uh, necessities. We cannot go in for non-essential goods, which actually means that the so-called discretionary spending of households tends to get constricted. So when we're talking in terms of, uh, let's assume that we are having the lockdown being uh, lifted, will I continue going and buying uh, things which are uh, non-essential? Yes, that would definitely be there. There would be a certain amount of pent-up demand which was there, which will, will probably be satisfied. But I don't think it's... They're going to have too much of pent-up demand, which is going to keep driving the economy and accelerating the economy. So, but I wouldn't be very, very pessimistic about saying that there won't be any pent-up demand. See, a demand always uh, remains with households. Like we always uh, require to maybe change our mobile phones. We want to probably get another laptop into our homes. Now, that is something which we will probably continue doing. So if I'd already planned to do something in the months of April and, uh, and May, and this is also the time when normally, if you look at the corporate sector, lots of people get their variable pay, which is paid during this particular period of time, and I'm not able to go ahead and make this particular purchase, I will definitely do it. But if you're talking in terms of the refrigerators and the AC thing which you were talking of, yes, a lot of that would have probably been already uh, taken care of in the last year. And even the spent-up demand story of last year was not something which was seen right up to March. 
We had seen it in certain uh, months. It was not something which was sustained over those six months starting from October. So there will be a bit of moderation. So while there will be a bit of it, but definitely not that kind of pent-up demand, which can actually make the economy accelerate and grow at a faster pace. That definitely won't happen. Mm, right. Uh, but as we look at other uh, economies of the world, uh, many countries are actually facing sec uh, third or maybe fourth uh, wave of the virus, and India is at the second. So considering that, of course, we are we have started our vaccination. We have also accelerating the vaccination process by 1st of May. But considering the, pro the way it has been going in the other parts of the world, do you think India is prepared or Indian economy is prepared to kind of face the, the disruption it may bring uh, in the third, consequent third or a fourth lockdown? And how will it impact the economy going forward? Yeah, I think this is an interesting question because I would say that this particular second wave which has come in seems to have caught us unaware because I don't think the reaction of governments uh, have been uh, 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 any different from what it was last year. In fact, one would have felt that uh, in 2020, when we had a lockdown, we had no choice. We didn't know what to do. And therefore, we announced a lockdown. And even now, if you look at it, uh, when you see any government uh, announcing different uh, uh, having different circulars coming out, making announcements almost every day, it means that things are not really well planned out to begin with. So if I'm going to keep saying that uh, you, we have a lockdown, uh, Monday to Friday you can operate, but weekends there's a lockdown. Then subsequently you say Monday to Friday also there will be a curfew. And subsequently you say you can work, keep your shops open, like what we have here in Mumbai at saying 7 to 11 and nothing more than that. So if the rules are going to change every, every day or every second day, it gives the impression that uh, the governments are not really prepared. So I think this model which we have seen in Maharashtra will surely get replicated in other states too. Because if you see what happened in Delhi, I think they also started off first by saying that cinema theatres close, malls close. Then you say that you can't go out in the night. Then you say you can't go out on the weekend. Then you say we're having a very strict uh, lockdown on, on, on weekdays. So I don't think we have, uh, as the administration has shown that it has any plan ready in case there is another shock coming in. And I think we have gone into a lot of complacency saying that uh, we conquered the virus. And even if you see all the official statements which were made earlier, I mean, we all felt that India was so much better than the other countries in terms of uh, conquering the virus. But once we had the second wave coming in, I think nobody really knows what to do. And I think the kind of uh, pathetic situation we see on the health front was definitely not seen last year. When we say that we don't have hospital beds, we don't have oxygen, we don't have doctors, we don't have medicines. See, vaccines is a different issue, saying that this was a new thing which had to be done. Shortages is understandable. But even if we're talking of basic medicines which have to be used for the sake of treating patients, we seem to be running into a problem of not having the, 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 the medicines. So that itself shows that we are not properly prepared for it. And I'm quite sure that uh, if the situation goes out of hand in other states too, we will be seeing similar situations coming up. So the, I think what's really important is for the center and the states to really sit down and ensure that they have a contingency plan in place for the third wave. It may or may not come, probably with all of us getting vaccinated, maybe in the next 12 months, we may not have a third wave. But I think it's always better to have a plan ready so that uh, we're not caught unawares and react in panic, as has been the case this time. Mm, right. But, uh, uh, you know, amidst all of this, there is a bit of silver lining about the monsoon forecast. Uh, India depends a lot on the agriculture product. Um, and you, as, as you said, that food inflation probably would not be the 
the, uh, the critical factor this time with the non-food uh, inflation probably. But if you look at the agriculture uh, or the farm output, uh, I know it's a little too early to predict about the monsoon, but uh, the two, two uh, forecasts about the monsoon says that probably it's going to be a good rainfall, normal rainfall this year. Have you factored in uh, the monsoon in your GDP target of 10.2% for uh, this year? Or are you going to reassess the monsoon as we approach Ju June and then make a, uh, no different estimates later on? Now, whenever we do a forecast of uh, GDP, we do use the monsoon forecast and make the simplistic assumption that uh, when the monsoon is uh, normal, we tend to have a good kharif crop because the kharif crop requires more uh, uh, precipitation compared to the winter crop, that's the rabi crop. And therefore, we assume that things will be normal. So therefore, we factor in saying that growth is going to be in the region of around 3, 3.5% 3 for the agriculture sector. But uh, when we look at the monsoon forecast, I think it's always better to have some information rather than no information. But we should remember that a forecast which comes in the month of April is talking about what is likely in the month of uh, June. And uh, there could be, of course, variation. We have seen in the past that uh, no forecast, including our own GDP forecast made by organizations, made by the IMF, made by the government, they all tend to, they have to be uh, fine-tuned uh, during the course of, uh, of, of the year. But this said, I think uh, uh, having a good monsoon is a, uh, let's assume it's a normal monsoon, it's a necessary condition for a good harvest. Uh, what is really more uh, important from the point of view of Indian agriculture is that uh, the arrival of the monsoons has to be good, meaning it has to arrive in the early part of June. We have seen in the past that monsoon does not come on June 1st, it first comes probably towards the end of June. And this is important because it affects the cropping pattern. If I'm growing rice, which requires the maximum amount of uh, water, and if I don't have access to irrigation, I will not sow rice until I know that the monsoon has arrived. So I think the arrival of the monsoon is important. The progress, that's the second part which is important. When I say the progress, whether it's very well uh, distributed spatially. Because we have seen that uh, if I look at the Deccan area, for example, it is the rain shadow area. And normally, if you look at the monsoon winds, they tend to get diluted by the time they come towards this interior, Maharashtra, Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh, Telangana. And that could be affecting the crops like pulses and oil seeds, cotton, which are grown in these regions. So therefore, if I talk of uh, a good monsoon, yes, I arrive properly. It has to be spread well. Only then can I get uh, a, a good crop. And we should remember that last year we've gotten some kind of a peak record of uh, food grain production. We may not be able to grow too much on that uh, number, but definitely for the other crops, there is scope for higher growth. Service. And the last part for the monsoon is that the uh, departure is also important. Now, we have seen in the past that when the monsoon does not depart in September, but we have this heavy rainfall, which comes, some people call it the post-monsoon rainfall in October, it tends to damage crops. And this is where horticulture has been affected. Whenever we have a tomato crisis, an onion crisis, a potato crisis, it's essentially because of excessive rainfall at the time of harvest when the crop gets damaged. And that could have very serious implications for inflation. So good monsoon forecast, this is a necessary condition. We're obviously positive because that's a good amount of information which we have. Because in the past, we had people saying that this El Nino developing could be affecting the course of the monsoon. Now we know that is not going to happen or more likely not to happen. But these other factors will also be important before we really get that good crop which we're talking of. We're talking of the curry crop growing at around, say, 3 3.5%, so that overall agriculture sector could also maintain this kind of uh, tempo. Mm. 
Okay. On that note, uh, Mr. Sapnavis, thanks a lot for that uh, explanation and insights. We hope that uh, we'll get out of this pandemic situation very soon and wish you good health. Thank you so thanks much. Thanks a lot, Nathan, for having me. Thank you. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at nasreenstory. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.